All right, welcome back to the Buffalo Bread Podcast. Uh, Dan and JJ are here to give you our Minnesota Vikings last minute uh, preview. And um, we waited a long time because we wanted to know the prognosis of our Lord and Savior, Joshua Patrick Allen. Uh, And it seems, Dan, that he's going to go today. And that seems crazy to me because, you know, if we talked on, what, Monday, Tuesday? Um, and it seemed like this might be weeks uh, of recovery, and here we go. Uh, Wolverine is is back, back in the X saddle. What do you think? I uh, the last time Josh Allen had this injury, um, his first full year as a starter, he sprained his UCL and his throwing elbow. He was out four games, and I don't think either of us thought it was going to be four games, especially with a the stretch they have coming up of divisional and AFC opponents. But this is one, J.J., on the schedule that felt like, not that teams play to lose, but it felt like they could have afforded the loss here. Um, even though it would have dropped them 6-3, and three, it might have knocked them out of the top spot of the division You know, for a short period. They, they could have set that right with four, four division games coming up here at the end of the year. Right. What this tells me is that this isn't about the division. This tells me with Josh going probably two things. Josh is really competitive and probably told the coaches he was good. And, and, like, listen, that's that's Josh. We expect that. But I also think, and it'll be interesting to see what comes out in the post-game press conferences, win or lose, about the decision to play Josh against a out-of-conference opponent. I think they think two losses gets the one seed. I think they're looking at Tennessee. They're looking at KC. They're looking at the relative weakness that those two teams play within their division. And I think they think those two teams are going to be 15-2, and 14-3. and three at best and if they want the tiebreaker over those two teams to be relevant at the end of the season the bills need to at least at least keep pace so i don't think this was about the division i think this was more about keeping pace with what they think are two very good teams in the conference in tennessee and casey yeah i think you're right i think it's about they know that um yeah this isn't about just getting in anymore it, they, it's really about stacking up enough wins uh, so that there's no question that the playoffs will run through Buffalo. And that's been their goal from, you know, uh, from basically last January on. Uh, and it, it's, I just have a worry um, that I get that and understand the strategy. I appreciate the, the, you know, competitiveness, but is rushing Josh Allen back, literally calling his injury hour by hour, and then kind of putting him in the lineup for this game, against uh, Minnesota defense, and we'll get into this when we talk about kind of the Bills offense versus the Minnesota defense that has two extremely excellent, you know, top 15 in the league pass rushers in Zedarius Smith and uh, Danielle Hunter. Is that a risk that they're going to pay for with more lost Allen games? Um, You know, and just like you said, I don't think any team would coach to lose, but is there a situation where, you know, kind of forcing the issue and uh, bringing him back before he might be fully ready to come back might expose him to greater risk and more losses or, or more games without Allen in the future. That's that's my big concern, but it'll all, I mean, it'll all come out in the wash when we see this game come together. So what do you think, Dan? We want to uh, get right into it to talk about the Bills offense versus that uh, the, the Vikings defense with those, you know, scary pass rushers? I do, and I think, and, and this is no shade at the this is no shade at the Minnesota offense, but I think this is this is really where this game is going to be won. You've seen Buffalo struggle over the past couple of weeks, i.e., Green Bay and the Jets, with teams that have dominant pass rushers that have the ability to rush four and drop everybody else back into zone. It's exactly what Minnesota can do. This game is going to be won or lost on this side of the ball. So I think we dive right in there. Um, what do you want to talk about first? Oh wait. Let's talk about the offensive line matchup against this yes. defensive front for Minnesota because the offensive line almost got Josh Allen killed against the Jets, so it seems like a good place that we'd want to start this. Yeah, let's let's start there. So I'm, I'm quite concerned. I think that what we're going to see is um, it looks like Spencer Brown, their preferred starting uh, right tackle, is going to be back in the lineup this week. 
Um, in fact, it looks like it's maybe the first week in several weeks that they're going to have all five uh, starting off preferred stock starting offensive linemen from Dawkins, Saffold, Morris at center, Bates at right guard, and Spencer Brown at right tackle um, going up against this front. Uh, so when you know when the Vikings are in their kind of normal set and they'll be, probably be playing nickel a lot with the Bills usually using a slot. Um, they've got you know DJ Wanham, who's a fourth-year player uh, who's okay on one edge, and then Zadarius Smith, who will play you know all across the line, but he's the one that they they got from uh, Green Bay and has just been having like an outstanding year this year. He's you know in the top top rankings for for kind of defensive players. Um, Ross Blacklock is uh, is the other defensive tackle. He should be okay to handle. He's more of a uh, kind of run stuffer than he is a penetrating um, defensive lineman, and he's on his second team in two years, uh, having you know been cut from the Titans. So uh, he's their other other tackle, and then finally Danielle Hunter, who's a player number ninety nine that you and I had talked about quite a few times when we were playing Madden GM um, for the Bills as yeah. somebody who Bills was trading unha- for him. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody who was unhappy with their team or their contract situation who, you know, before the Bills got Von Miller, of course, it was he was the he's the kind of player. He's not Von Miller, but he's the kind of player we were talking about. A premier, you know, superstar pass rusher. He's excellent. So um, he and Zadarius Smith are both both having very good years and so he will be lined up at present, you know, in the plan across from Spencer Brown, who has struggled mightily with um, anyone with even above-average pass-rushing talent has been able to kind of, you know, severely beat Spencer Brown for some reps. And so, you know, Josh Allen getting hurt in the pocket last week, was that was on Questenberry 100%. And so, you know, it's almost like it's, 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 there's no good things here, my friend. Questenberry or Spencer Brown, yeah. Neither neither of those right tackles makes me feel comfortable at all with Daniel Hunter. They're, Unless they have a plan to chip and support and keep Knox in and things like that, I I have a sense that Hunter's the kind of like game takeover defensive player who will just destroy Spencer Brown in this matchup, especially coming back, first game back after a long injury. Um, you know, it was a back injury, I think. He's still been struggling with that. Maybe it was an ankle, too. Uh, and so it's not great if you're if he's still a little dinged up to be going against Daniel Hunter. No, I, I think the hope here is the strategy, and the strategy cannot be Josh simply bombing the ball downfield. I know the first right. thing that they're going to want to do is they're going to want to uncork one on play action deep to Steph Diggs, the first play of this game, just to show that Allen's elbow is fine and the Bills are still the Bills and all this kind of stuff. What they really need to do, though, is they need to come out with a strategy like they had against L.A., which had has a similar defensive front, similar back-end talent um, as this Minnesota Vikings team. They need to come out with an idea of distributing the ball to as many of the pass catchers on this roster as they possibly can. The only room, J.J., that has stayed healthy, with the exception of the injury to Jamison Crowder, on this Bills team is the wide receiver room. And that room is producing the least out of any of these rooms right now, save for Stefan Diggs, on this team. So, to me, I would love to see Allen's first 10 pass, pass attempts go to like seven different receivers. We know that the Bills have a plus 67% chance to win when they distribute the ball to other guys at that volume. And they don't need, they don't need to do it consistently. They don't need to get Reggie Gilliam four catches in this game to win. Right. But they need to use Gilliam. They need to use McKenzie, Shakir, these other weapons at their disposal in a way that is at least going to keep um, the Minnesota defense guessing to some extent. I mean, the Jets just dropped into zone because Buffalo had abandoned the run. And they were fine to give up run yards to Buffalo. And they dared Allen to throw it down, throw it downfield, and he did at a rate of 0 for 7, right? So yeah. there's got to be things that you've got to do with this cover two shell to chip away with it. And the frustrating part is we know that the Bills can do it because they did it to amazing success at the latter half of last season. We know this is a team that's got the components and the tools to break this down. Another another area that I think should give us 
optimism about the offensive line is the improvement we've seen game over game and run blocking. The Jets game really doesn't count because Buffalo, for whatever reason, abandoned the run in the second half. Like they were down 30 to 13, right? So they only rushed the ball four times in the second half. Not a great sample size. Coming into this game, the Buffalo Bills, because of their struggles early in the season, are 26th in stuff rate, meaning that Devin Singletary, James Cook, now Naheem Hines, they're being met either in the backfield or directly at the line of scrimmage at one of the highest rates in the league. But if you look at their past three games, including the first half against the Jets, the average yards before contact for Singletary have been approaching four yards, which is a hell of a runway past the line of scrimmage to let a guy like to let a guy like Motor operate in the open field. So we've seen some improvements in the Bills run game. And this is gonna sound so McDermott-y of me, but the reality is is that the Bills need to establish the run game. They need to use more play action. If the play action has almost disappeared from their play calling, as has pre-snap motion. And they've got to expose the short and intermediate areas of the field. And Allen's got to be patient and distributing the ball and moving the change. JJ, this is still an offense that is is netting more yards per, per drive than any other team in the league, according to Football Outsiders. And they're doing it at a rate almost double the other teams. We know that even with the deficiencies in the slot, this offense can move the ball. But we also know that there is a, a format and a strategy and a flow that the Bills need to hit in order to hit that maximum. And it's not always Allen bombing the ball down the field. His average yards per attempt are still in the 8 and 9 yard range, which tells us that no shit, he's not afraid to throw it downfield. But we need to see Allen expose the short and intermediate parts of the field and hit some of these open guys that he just didn't see in the Jets in the Green Bay game. Yeah, absolutely. And I just have one question for you. Do you do you have any awareness? Is there a sibling of the Lafleur family who works for the Vikings? I I am unaware, but I know those okay. Lafleur roots run deep. So yeah. there could be yeah. a, a second cousin, twice removed, somewhere sure. like doing the doing the the defensive back sets or whatever. But yeah, I have no idea. I'm hoping not. <laughs> yeah, I hope not as well, because that's a little bit of an, a story undercurrent that we didn't really talk about. Is that um, Mike LaFleur working for the Green Bay Packers came up with something that stymied the Bills offense in the second half that then the New York Jets, you know, um, used in, in great success against the Bills in order, you know, to keep keep that offense suppressed throughout the game because his brother, Mike LaFleur, um, works for the Jets. And so coming in this game, I think you're absolutely right. I think that there's a little bit of a, a book out there right now on how to, like, try to keep the Bills... Um, kind of, you know, how, how to keep them suppressed. And a lot of it has to do with winning with your with rushing four, dropping seven into coverage, and daring the Bills to hit the intermediate stuff that takes longer to develop. And then, boom, you have Allen for a sack or a scramble or something like that. And so, and then also the dropping seven into coverage lets your uh, defensive backs keep their eyes on Allen as he's scrambling around so that they don't give up huge chunks of, you know, scramble yards. So there's a lot of that going on, and, and I think you're right. I think distributing the football, short underneath stuff, and establishing the run are the keys to victory for the Bills' offense here. And it's interesting because um, this week the Bills have activated Duke Johnson. So not only was the the surprise that they um, did not activate Mac Barkley, which indicates that they were, you know, Allen was either going to be okay to start or to play in a relief role for Case Keenum start, um, that they also brought Duke Johnson up, even though they have Naeem Hines, James Cook, and Devin Singletary presumably ahead of him on the depth chart, what that indicates to me is that um, between, you know, Singletary, Hines, and and Cook, um, Duke Johnson is the only one of those four, or he and Singletary are the only two backs of those four who have substantial between the tackles running capabilities mm -hmm. and i i do think that the one downside for zadarius smith is that he is not he is not an excellent or above average run stopper he is an open Correct. field but when he gets mixed up in the in the trash in the middle of that offensive line he can be pushed off the spot and so i wonder if you know russ ross blacklock and zadarius smith straight up the gut with Mitch Morse, uh, Ryan Bates, and Roger Saffold is is the concept that they'd like to 
kind of isolate Hunter on the outside and then run up the gut. And for that, Duke Johnson's a better fit than either of the two other rushers behind Singletary. So that might be a thing to to watch for in this game if they end up making uh, Duke Johnson active and making either of those other two inactive uh, for the game. So that's it, I think. I think that I agree with you completely. Getting the stuff underneath is really important. Um, The coverage players for the Vikings are not great. Uh, Eric Kendricks and um, Jordan Hicks are their kind of, you know, center fielders at linebacker. Jordan Hicks is, is a solid, you know, is a, is a good football player. Um, but Very certainly good, can, yeah. can be had a little bit in the passing game, but it's, but not anybody to, you know, to sniff at. Chandon Sullivan is their slot corner. Uh, Caleb Evans is, is one of their outside corners. And then the, uh, the veteran Patrick Peterson, now on his kind of 11th year in the league, has had a resurgence with this team. I think that everybody saw him at, with the Cardinals as somebody who was washed, he's, and then he's bounced around and uh, found a home with the Vikings and has looked very good this year. It's it's interesting oh, yeah. that he's having this sort of um, Indian summer of uh, of you know productivity. So um, really, that what they what that means then is they have you know one very good outside corner and then a couple other guys, and then they have one solid uh, safety. Um, I don't know. What is your opinion of Cameron Bynum? Because I think Harrison Smith is still good, um, but Cameron Bynum, their other, their free safety, he seem he seems to miss some plays. And right now, just kind of throw a stat bomb at you. I know you're the stats guy, but the uh, the Vikings are f- tied for third worst in the league in terms of giving up seven point yard four yards per attempt in the passing game. So they're one of the lower, in, in that stat alone, one of the lower teams in the league in, in pass defense. Their pass defense is not great. They're good at getting sacks, and they're good at pressure um, up front, but they're uh, they're definitely, they can be got in that secondary. They can, and, and if you want to if you wanna rate safety play, a great metric to do that is yards after catch allowed by the, by the opposing defense. Because when you're a team that plays so much zone defense and rushes four, like the Minnesota Vikings do. The idea is you're keeping everything in front of you. So 7.4 yards per attempt doesn't really doesn't really um, it doesn't really say to me that it's a bad it's a bad zone defense, although that's that's pretty high. But their yards after catch allowed, they're a top five team in the league when it comes to that. They're along the fifth most yards after the catch to opposing wide receivers. Which is crazy when you think about a zone scheme and what it's designed to do, especially when you play in a cover two shell against some some teams like uh, Buffalo's quality. So that tells me that even with Harrison Smith being as good as he is, these safeties struggle in stopping plays in the open field. And again, if Allen is patient and these wide receivers sit in the holes in that zone, they're going to have opportunities to plant and go against the secondary. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I also think, you know, um, the defense for the Vikings, their yards per carry average is 4.2, um, which is, it's actually pretty good for the league. I mean, the best team in the league is the 49ers at 3.4 yards per carry. And so, um, you know, it, it's the kind of thing where, like, you really have to scheme something up to hit the Vikings and let that yard after the catch be an extension of the run because they are not going to... Uh, they're not going to be great at, at stopping, um, you know, the run if that's your only game plan. You need to kind of mix it up because they've shown that if they're going to key on the run, they're good at stopping the run. It's when they're not keying on the run and they're really focused on the pass that they've been been got when I've watched the Vikings games for the season so far. Um, yeah. I texted this to you. I, I think that when we talk about the Vikings defense uh, versus the Bills offense, the Bills offense, though they haven't looked the best in the past, you know, six quarters – is, as you mentioned, still one of the better teams in the league. They're still productive. Um, the Vikings' defense is the it's they're opportunistic, and they're they come up with big plays and big moments. And so it's this thing that you know, as I referenced to our text, watching the I watched three of their games in their entirety, and it just seems like first of all they've won a lot of one score games, very close games, down to the nail biter games, um, and then two is that they they seem to just get lucky a lot. Like, they, the ball bounces their way quite often. And it's a matter mm-hmm. of, you know, certainly skilled, good players playing good, you know, making good plays at big times. 
that's part of it, and Bills players talk about that all the time. But it's not just that. It's also they've had some of the variability of, of football has just sort of kind of fallen into their favor throughout the year. And so I think that their their record does not belie the quality of team they are. Seven and one is awesome. You, you can't come to that by accident. But I also think that, you know, they have won some games in, in which they were a little bit dominated. Um, or they've won some yeah. games that have just been another team losing it by, like, costly errors and critical times or um, really stupid coaching decisions at critical times. Mm-hmm. They've they've been the benefactor of some of those things. So it's really interesting to me, the, uh, the Bills offense versus this defense. And I think it all starts, there's two keys for me. Um, one is... Uh, controlling the pass rush and keeping Zadarius Smith and Day- Daniel Hunter off Josh Allen, especially if he you know is still a little dinged up, and then two is um, getting the run game going between the between the tackles in that guard center guard area. Even though that hasn't been their strength, I think that that's really you know, especially if you can get your um, if you can have Reggie Gilliam in there lead blocking and you can get to that second level that's where I think you could make some hay because like you said those safeties have been good but not great in run support and coming up um, and getting people after the catch and so you know that middle of the field's a little squishy yep I agree um and you know the Bills have had success running the ball um over that over those those left and right guard spots Bates and Saffold respectively so in the games where they've gotten Singletary running, again, it feels counterintuitive, but they've done it essentially running up the gut. So Singletary is uh, um, average yards per carry when running over those guard spots is 4.3 yards per carry. I will take that on first down. I will take a second and six for these yep. Buffalo Bills after a handoff to Singletary every day of the week and twice on Sunday and hopefully multiple times today on Sunday we can see some of that because <laughs> second and six is a whole lot better than second and nine to be operating from right. so uh, to me like I, I can't I, I can't oversimplify this the bills just need to be patient they need to stick with their scheme they need to stick with their script because at the end of the day they have more guys on their side of the ball than the Minnesota Vikings have on their side of the ball, offense and defense respectively, that can make plays. And they just need to be patient and take advantage of that. They, today's game for the Buffalo Bills needs to be a lot like Novocaine. Some pre-step motion, some play action, short and intermediate parts of the field. I want to see Josh rush the ball exactly zero times this game, and I want to see passes over 20 yards and that opportunistic four, three to four passes over 20 yards. Um today that's what i want to see that'll tell me that the bills are staying patient that and if they have seven or more guys catch the ball today that's going to tell me the bills stuck with their script and we're patient because that's the key they just need to be patient and man this team this offense they get so frustrated because they know they can they know they can score from anywhere on the field they know they can do that right yep. they get so frustrated when they can't or when things slow down. And if they can just swallow that frustration and tuck it away, opportunities are going to present themselves eventually. Make the other team make a mistake for once. Don't you make the mistakes on our side of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you're absolutely right is that, you know, it's really about, um, and I hate making these comparisons, uh, but I think Bills fans can, can resonate with them well. It's about playing like the Patriots during their entire dynasty, right? It's slow, distributive drives in which you are precise and and you do your, you know, your job perfectly because that's the expectation. And I think that the Bills have shown that. They've been able to do that in a lot of the games um, this year, and they just need to kind of unveil that again on offense to be most successful. What do you, uh, what do you think about flipping over to the Bills' defense versus this uh, Vikings' offense? I'm ready. There, there's some there's some in, intriguing stuff here, not as equally as intriguing to the Bills' yeah. offense versus the Minnesota defense, but there's still some intriguing stuff here. And and to me, it starts with Kirk Cousins, the 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 renaissance of Kirk Cousins, so to speak. <laughs> like all of these post game playing videos of him dancing shirtless and wearing chains yes. and stuff. It's it, so Kirk has been it, it's been it's been an interesting season for him. Um, under center 
So the Minnesota Vikings, JJ, their offensive line is not good, right? No. Cousins well, has been pressured. I, I have a lot yeah. to talk about in their offensive line, but go ahead and we'll, I'll get yeah, into that in a minute. Yeah. So, so I'm 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 gonna put it out there, and then if your stuff disagrees with me, that's fine. But Cousins has been pressured at a rate of like 26 percent of his dropbacks, which is highest in the league. We, according to Pro Football Reference, you and I, we think that guys like Tua Tungavaloa and Josh Allen are under siege regularly, and they've been pressured by comparison at a rate of 14 on 14 percent of their dropbacks on average through their first nine games. Um, but a lot of that has to do with Tua and Allen. They have great escapability, and Cousins just doesn't have that athleticism. So if he isn't doesn't have a clean pocket, if play action is not working for them, then it, it is it is not easy, but it becomes more easy to shut down this yep. Minnesota Vikings pass attack. You've got Delvin Cook in the backfield still, not the player that he used to be, but still still serviceable, and especially against a run defense that has been suspect over the past couple of weeks against the Jets and the the Packers, I can actually see the Vikings coming out and taking a very play-action, run-oriented approach against the Bills just to test the waters to see if they can get any chunk yards in the short to intermediate area and in the run game with Cook. Um, but a lot of that has to has to do with the, the suitability of their offensive line for those things. And it, again... Per DVOA, this is an offensive line that is squarely in the middle, if not slightly below average in the league. JJ, what are you seeing from this Minnesota offense, specifically their O-line? So, and that's what, you know, I wanted to segue into is that um, I, I know, okay, so I know pressure rate. This is like the classic Jerry Hughes argument. Uh, pressure rate, they're poor, but they've given up the same amount of sacks as the Chiefs and Bills, 16. And right. so... Um, it's really, you know, he may be pressured, but because of uh, Kirk Cousins. And one comment on Kirk Cousins. I feel like Kirk Cousins has been a middle-aged dad in a midlife crisis since he was like 16 years old. That's just the vibes <laughs> I get from him. And he he just is that person. Um, and it's just like, it's amazing. He's such a story of resilience and success. He's the American dream. Kirk Cousins was picked as a, <laughs> as a, as a flyer to RG3 in the same draft where you drafted a high, you know, first first round quarterback. And not only did he surpass the person picked ahead of him in that draft, but he surpassed him to the point of proving a team wrong two two franchise tag years in a row, making stupid boatloads of money and then becoming the first NFL quarterback to get what is it like net 40 million a year in a contract like yeah, and all of crazy. it guaranteed. So the dude is the definition yeah, of betting maybe on it was yourself. It was it was thirty million that year, I think. So, but still, yeah. like that's just insane money. And he's he's been he's been successful at being reliably slightly above average. That's Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. If you need to know what Kirk Cousins is a, as a quarterback, he is a reliably above average quarterback. Um, yeah, let, let me give you a comp. If Baker Mayfield was good, he would be Kirk Cousins. Yes, right? that's the exactly. <laughs> that's the comp. That is. <laughs> Kirk Cousins is Baker Mayfield. Is good like Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I like this this comparison. Um, Kirk Cousins is also good Mac Jones, right? Like Mac Jones could hope oh, to someday yeah. be a Kirk Cousins. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, getting back to their only, offensive line. Yeah, only they could aspire to be Kirk Cousins. Exactly. Is a sentence I never thought we would ever utter on this pod. But go ahead. <laughs> um, so the the story of this. Uh, Minnesota Vikings line. And I know you want to kick dirt on them. I, I think they're slightly better than than some of their pressure stats indicate. Um, the story is that they're incredibly young. I mean, they've got uh, a two-year pro in Ezra Cleveland. They've got a three-year pro in Garrett Bradbury at center. And then they've got a uh, this-year rookie in Ed, Ring- Ed Ingram, who's a second-round pick at the other guard. So their interior is young. Um, outside they have Brian O'Neill, who's a four-year pro and a solid right tackle. And then finally, I think the the star of that that whole show is Christian Derisaw, first-round pick and uh, last year, uh, sec- so second-year player, and he is an excellent left tackle. And so I, I'm really right. it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see Christian Derisaw versus um, Von Miller, and it's not going to be interesting to watch Christian Derisaw versus Boogie Basham or AJ Epineza because he's going to own those matchups. They are two players that I am just woefully disappointed in for this Bills defense. Um, I, 
I can talk all day about how sad I am that they picked AJ Epineza or Boogie Basham. I think that they're probably just never going to realize any kind of potential in this league. Um, but, you know, there's still time, I guess. So that's the story. Their, their offensive line, I think, is better in pass blocking than it is in run blocking. Um, they can be productive in the run, mostly because of Dalvin Cook's ability to kind of make somebody miss in the backfield because he does get he does get people in his face more often, um, you know, or more quickly than a lot of running backs in the league, but tends to make better better work of it uh, because of his shiftiness. So I think that the offense is, offensive line is good. Um, shifting a little bit, they just traded for TJ Hawkinson from the Lions, and he showed up and immediately caught like 11 balls in his first game, setting an NFL record yeah. for you know most receptions, first, first game with a team after near the trade deadline. So like... Mm-hmm. I worry a little bit about that because there's not a lot of tape on him. The um, Bills are a little bit banged up in that I think that Taron Johnson is Taron Johnson in for this game. Um, I know Taron Taron Johnson. He he was Taron Johnson was a full participant in practice on Friday. So um, out so far as Poyer and Rousseau. Okay. um, Let's see, Edmonds questionable right mm. now um which that's would, a big it, question so, against that matchup it, it, yeah. that's huge M- milano is going to be in so you got to believe he's going to play that tj hawkinson shadow role that that um that edmonds would potentially do but that leaves yeah. you know edmund edmonds is your cleanup guy in the run game as we've talked yep. about on so many occasions that leaves a lot of opportunities for delvin cook to exploit the second tier of this buffalo defense well, and especially I think that if you look at our defensive line, you know, Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, both being up, Jordan Phillips being up, that's all great. But I'm most worried about the edges because that's where yeah. Dalvin Cook will do his damage. And Greg Rousseau is your absolute best, and this is in- inclusive of Von Miller being on this team. Greg Rousseau is the oh, yeah. best edge-setting run defender on the defensive line. Full 110%. Stop. Yeah. And they're going to run to where Von Miller ain't on the edge yes. of this defense today, 100%. They're going to test Basham. They're going to test well, Shaq Lawson, who I think... Has it been weird to you that that in the absence of Rousseau in that Jets game, that Shaq Lawson got a majority of the snaps over Epineza and over Basham? Did that surprise you at all? No, because I think they're both busts. And I think that's showing up in the snap share. I think that Shaq Lawson is... is and here's why. I've watched enough all 22 footage from this season and the Bills defense to know that AJ Epineza and Boogie Basham are both probably 60-40, out of position, 40% in position in run fits every single time. Like that's just how they how they've been operating and so that's part of the reason that the edges have been soft for the Bills in the run game is that AJ Epineza and Boogie Basham get blocked, they get turned, or they're just not where they're supposed to be because they over pursue or are jamming up a, a gap that's already filled by Daquan Jones or Ed Oliver. So the problem is they're not reliable to do their 111th, and so that's why Shaq Lawson, who's probably 75-25 in position um, mm-hmm. in those run fits, is getting those snaps is that I think both of them offer, Epineza and Basham offer more juice in pass rush snaps, but that's not what the Bills' defense is, right? It's not sell out for the sack. It's literally be where you're supposed to be, play the run all the way through to the quarterback. And Epineza and Basham are rarely in the in the spot they're supposed to be in. And so right. draws, screens, various things like that are are kind of their poison. Yeah, it, it, it's gonna be it, it's gonna be fascinating to see because as as we've said, this is not a great rushing attack for Minnesota, but the Rousseau injury, Edmonds potentially being out, I mean, it really does set up for when we'll know at eleven thirty. We'll know in like four yep. hours who's gonna be in, who's gonna be out. Elam might be out for this game. He's been he above out, average. Is he out? I think he is out um, because they activated Xavier Rhodes for the game. Oh, then he's then Elam's definitely not playing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so it's going to be interesting because even Elam has been plus in in uh in run stopping this year from that DB yes. spot, which is something that the Bills really covet and was a big question mark about Elam coming up through the draft process. But he's really adapted to this Buffalo system well. Um, so so he is going to be a loss that's going to be felt. 
Um, we talked about Taron Johnson last pod and, and kind of a regression he's had. Trey White looks like he's going to play this game. I'm, yes, yes, this is going to be his first game of the season. He should, I mean, this is the thing is like, it, it seems it, like they're being really slow with him because I would love to see Trey out there for a few snaps. He has had no limitations in practice this week at all. Like yeah, none I mean, at all. Yeah. He's out of a con- I mean, all, red cotton, no, no contact jersey at yeah. practice. He's doing all the all the reps, all the snaps, all the team drills. So yeah, the presumption uh, is that he by, and by good. all yeah by all reports he looks great. He looks like old Trey. So and you've got a matchup here where you've got um, where you've got T.J. Hawkinson as you noted, um, who is who is fit like a like a glove with this Minnesota this Minnesota offense and Kirk Cousins has made stars out of lesser tight end talent oh, yeah. than TJ Hawkinson. I mean, Jordan yeah. Jordan Reed in Washington yeah. when Cousins was there literally was a fantasy darling for three or four years because Cousins was always looking to his tight ends in Washington. Um, so, so the loss of Elam sucks because in a lot of ways he can be a tight end eraser, but having Trey, Trey White back in the game, it, Trey's not going to be manned up on Justin Jefferson this game they're they're gonna take uh they're gonna take a by committee approach to to Jefferson mm-hmm. um but white can be effective against the opposing team's tight end across the middle which would be huge especially if Edmonds is going to be out so like, I gotta believe white is going to play this game and I've also got to believe that based on what we're hearing out of practice he's gonna play meaningful snap share like I I just, you're not going to run Xavier Rhodes off the practice squad out there for 70% of the snaps with Dane Jackson. You're just not going to do it. So i got to believe White is going to play this game. I really hope he does. I mean, the one nice thing is that Christian Benford probably is fully back healthy. He looked really good in the first couple of games before he went down with injury. So there's a chance there. But, yeah, I mean, I think they need Trey White to, to step up and play in this game. And actually, I, I, I feel like have this on no knowledge at all from the, from the Bills facility that the resistance to use white is the teams and not whites because it seems like he's been ready to go he has not been talking you know to the media that much um and when he does he talks about you know uh, i'll I'll do what the coaches need me to do and like they're taking it slow and careful and this sorts of things but it's he looks the part seems the part it's a question of why they haven't brought him back out i think they may may just be really worried about um, some regression in his recovery because it is a year, you know, it's a year to, to be able to do football things, but it's, um, and we're not at a full year yet since that surgery. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't well, know. I think that the, yeah, yeah, go ahead. They've been so overly caught. They, and, and I think rightfully so they have their, they are, they have been very transparent that they feel like they are in their Super Bowl window with Josh Allen. That's why they spent big on Miller like they are they're playing for the long game which doesn't with the way they're managing a lot of these injuries like Milano's oblique and and Trey White and his recovery coming from the ACL but that doesn't jive with Allen playing today unless that injury was just not as severe as we thought and the 70 yard pass at the end of the game was more real than we thought it was and not just adrenaline unless that injury was not a big deal whatsoever and there was no damage to that ucl whatsoever playing allen today is inconsistent with the strategy this bills team has taken with the rest of their injuries particularly on the defensive side of the ball where it just feels like they've been missing key component week after week after week yeah i i agree i think that that's and we even talked about that that it's unfortunate that the story of the season for the bills hasn't been a, a story of strength on strength. This is what the Bills' best effort can do against the opposing team's best effort because they've just been so injury-rattled. I mean, they again, what this is the second game of the whole season, and we're eight weeks in that the Bills are playing, or nine weeks in, that the Bills are playing their preferred five starting offensive linemen. This is, the they still haven't had a single game, uh, what, since Tennessee, in which they had their preferred starting uh defensive backfield and that is excluding Tredavious White it, it's yep. it's just it's been a story of, of injuries for sure and it's unfortunate that you know in this Super Bowl window um the Bills in extreme injury luck or skill at managing the injuries hasn't you know hasn't held true this year as well um right yeah so no. I, I'm worried about Justin Jefferson I think he's got the body type the speed and the skill I mean he's amazing right but then he he's incredible he's got 
he's like the full package of what a wide receiver built to dis- to catch balls over every single Bills defender in the defensive backfield needs, right? Like he he's a size speed guy and Dane Jackson, Christian Benford, a couple of late late round draft picks, Taron Johnson mid-rounder, you know, Jaquan Johnson, DeMar Hamlin, late rounders. Like it they're late rounders because they don't have that package, right? They're not the mm-hmm. fastest and biggest guys who are also good football players. They're good football players, but we talked a lot, you know, in the previous pod on wh- how Jaquan Johnson was um, bodied out of everywhere he needed to be. He's not somebody that you're going to trust to, like, defend a Jeff- Justin Jefferson pass. Like, that's just not going to happen one-on-one ever. Um, if he, you know, he, I don't think he can be in position to stop that from happening just because he's undersized. So... I worry a lot about that. Adam Thielen is always dangerous, um, but he is kind of, you know, he, he's got some, some tread on the tires these days. Um, he is going into his ninth season, so um, I wonder, you know, he still rates pretty well. He, he does what he needs to do. Um, K.J. Osborne is a rookie, I believe, um, in the slot for the Vikings. Or no, he's a mm-hmm. second-year player. Third-year player, right. Yeah, but he's you know again one of those mid round draft picks who you can you can kind of beat him at his game because he's not an excellent separator, um, but he is quick. He's very quick and after the catches where he could he could hurt you. So yeah, I think this game is going to be it's going to be curious, right? What we're going to see is can the Bills uh, with the weakened edges with Rousseau out, um, can the Bills slow down or stop Delvin Cook to take them out of the running and play action game because that's where the vikings make their hay and if they cannot stop and we're gonna see a long day uh they gave up over 200 to the the packers they gave up 170 plus to the jets in in the run game and so this defense needs to come and shut down the run if the bills have any hope of keeping this this game in striking distance um because i think the offense still has some kinks they're gonna need to work out yeah, I agree. That'll, that'll require not get... extra, yeah. Extra and it, it, listen, the possessions. Ex, extra possessions. There you go. Yeah, we for folks who who can't see the video, we are doing this in the morning um, <laughs> before our coffee has kicked in. Me and JJ are, are both uh, downing our espresso roasts right now. Um, and there's been a lot of, like, mic pauses for yawning and stuff like that. Not because we're bored by the content, but because we literally wanted to wait until the last minute to factor in Josh Allen into our preview. So we are doing this at the crack of dawn for all this of the hour by hour. plus listeners out there. This is hour Just by Just like hour. Josh Allen's el- elbow, this pod, hour by hour. That's right. We're on an hour by hour one. Hour by hour. Long text chain about, do we do it now? No, 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 no. Um, yeah, I... And, you know, it, the, it doesn't get any easier for the Bills facing teams that run the ball. After this, they get Cleveland, whose defense is underachieved, but they, like Minnesota, they've got two really good pass rushers and some guys that can play in the secondary, and they run they run the shit out of the ball. Then they go to Detroit for Thanksgiving, and DeAndre Swift catches the ball out of the backfield and runs the ball like crazy for the Detroit Lions, which on any given week seems like they can drop 45 on an opposing team and still still manage to lose, but still. Yep. The, the Bills need to figure it out this game because the rest of the schedule moving forward is not going to allow them to experiment, and it's not going to allow them to, to play around with Epineza or Basham and figure out what the ideal Russo placement is. they got to figure it out today. Because after they get through this next stretch of games, they're in the they're in their division games, and with the exception of Miami, though it'll be interesting to see what George would what, what uh, George Wilson's impact is on that running game. New England runs the ball. The Jets run the ball. Miami wants to run the ball to open things up for their their absolute burners at the wideout position. The Bills need to figure this out today, and I don't think we're being dramatic in saying that. If you can't figure it out against an out of conference opponent. Things are not looking good as far as figuring out how to stop the run moving down the line because everyone you're going to play moving forward can run the shit out of the ball. Yep, absolutely. And I think that, you know, just speaking of an out-of-conference opponent, we talked a little bit about the, the Vikings being kind of um, seeming seemingly their their um, win-loss re- record is better than the team. They beat the crap out of the Green Bay Packers week one, which we thought, you know, was special at the time, but now it seems maybe not so special. 
They lost handily to the Philadelphia Eagles, which was a surprise at that time, but is no longer a surprise at this point with the season the Eagles are having. They barely beat the Detroit Lions 28-24. They barely beat the New Orleans Saints 28-25. Um, and that was in London. They beat the Chicago Bears by one score, 29-22. They won against the Dolphins 24-16, playing backups. Of course, two was out at that time. Um, and then they had a bye. Then they beat the Cardinals by a score, 34-26. And then the Washington Commanders last week, 20-17. to 17. And so their probable, I mean, their best quality win is probably against the Dolphins, I'm guessing, question mark? Because that's uh, the only team on their schedule thus far that I think is like a real competitor. I mean, the, the Cardinals. The, it, it, that's a, it's such a shitty schedule, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. and you know, I was I was looking at strength, strength of schedule coming in, and... You know, this is this is according to a cross of Pro Football Reference and Football Outsiders. But the Bills, up until this point, have played the fifth hardest schedule in the league, sixth as you measure opposing team defenses, and then Minnesota's played the twenty seventh, right? Right. So, and then twenty fourth as you measure opposing team defenses. They've just they've either again fortuitously they they caught. Um, the I think the the Vikings and the Bears their second matchup is going to be much more telling because um, the Bears have figured something out on offense with with Justin yeah. Fields. It, they've just caught all these teams at really weird times. They caught the Cardinals without DeAndre Hopkins though. That looks like that's not going to make a difference. That team looks terrible and cooked right now. Um, yeah, it's just it, it, they haven't had a measuring stick game save for Philly. And as you mentioned, they got they got the doors blown off of them in that game. So there are definitely Pittsburgh Steelers twenty twenty vibes to this game. I feel uh, yeah. like. Yep. Yeah. So I think that it's it's an interesting time. I, I think that we're going to um, we're going to have to see how this goes. And you know we've we've got about we're coming up on an hour for the pod. So I think it's time that we flip into some pre- predictions. Sure to go wrong. Um, and I'll start us off with my score prediction. I do think that the Buffalo Bills win this game. The big you know, announcement that Josh Allen was going to be active was a huge, that was a huge lift. Um, that I think the Bills are only like three point or maybe six point favors, favorites at this point um, at home, but the Bills have looked like a completely different team at home this year, and so I'm really excited to see another home football game in Orchard Park, um, and so I, I have a sense that it's going to be Bills... Um, I think it's going to be lower scoring than we think. I think the under wins again, which is, I think, 42 at this point. Um, Bills, 24. Uh, Vikings, 13 uh, is my oh, prediction. I, I, was, I was very similar. I have Bills, 24. Vikings, 17. Okay. All right. Yeah, yep. so we're just a little have, bit off there. Yeah, I have the under hitting on that as well. And uh, listen, the Bills have won seven straight at home, all by double digits. They are a different. They're a, in a in a era where home field advantage has regressed remarkably. The Bills seems still seem to have one of those rare home field advantages, a la Kansas City, a la Seattle, where it makes a difference for them playing on the road versus playing at home. So. I also think that um, the Buffalo Bills, in, in terms of some small prop bets, I think that uh, um, I think that Von Miller gets two sacks in this game. I think that he shows up and shows out, uh, having to step up a little bit for the absence of Greg Rousseau. So I think Von Miller with two two sacks, um, one point five plus, uh, is a prop that I have. What about you? Um, I'm I'm actually looking at Ed Oliver to get his first sack of the season. I predicted he was going to lead the team in sacks at the beginning of the year, and here we are, week 10. He doesn't have a single one recorded. But, man, I mean, like every game, every game he plays in, he just pops on film. He is always in the face of the opposing QB. I think he gets a sack today. And hopefully, you know, a sack that's not erased by penalty because I think he has two of those this year just so far. If you if you didn't count the sacks lost to penalty, Ed Oliver um, would have a better stat line. Um, I'll just put this out there for everybody who has listened to the pod over the years. Uh, Ed Oliver is woefully behind Jerry Hughes in the sack column this year. So, ah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Jerry Hughes yeah. has how many sacks? Like six or seven. Six. Does he? Does he? He doesn't have seven. Seven would put him in the league lead. 
Okay, maybe he's got he's got a lot of sacks, my friend. I think he's got four, um, and I think three came in his first game. That's what right, I think it fine. is. That's fine. <laughs> That's I think you're I think you're high right now. I think, he's got I seven think it's sacks, even, my friend. He's got seven sacks. He does sacks. not. Yes, Jerry he Hughes does. does not have seven sacks. He what has seven hell? sacks for the one and six Texans. And That's a force fumble and an interception. <laughs> uh, which yeah. came in his first game. But no, yeah. good good for Jerry. We could have used this in Buffalo last year, but good for we Jerry. We really could have okay. Jerry Jerry, you did us dirty. You left and now yeah. you're playing your best football. Yeah. I know, right? For sure. All right, man. I have no, I have no other props. I have no other projections at this point, and okay. we're I, I'm perfectly comfortable to close this pot out with a thumb in the eye that is Jerry Hughes to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um, so everybody, you know, buckle up. We're gonna see something today. I don't know what. I'm not I'm not boisterously as as you know um, as confident as I have been for other pods because of what all happened with the Jets, but. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens today, and uh, I'm excited to, to watch a game with hopefully Joshua Patrick Allen playing. Yes, absolutely. All right, as always, like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast: Google, Apple, Spotify. Follow us on our socials. Feel free to email the show if you are one of the 32 or plus that, according to our analytics, listen to us on a regular basis. And hey, as everybody. always, JJ, go, hey, go Bills. Go Bills. 